He's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Uh, he's my Savior. Uh, he rules. He speaks life and all that. And you start singing songs like that, that his name is Jesus, and there's no other name given under men whereby we must be saved. Sometimes it gives me, <laughs> gets you just a little excited, right? Sometimes you want to shout. Sometimes you, and that is okay. If you, came, if you came from a church background that, uh, that was like, oh, don't raise your hands, don't clap, don't shout and everything, this is not one of them churches, all right? Uh, if you feel something happen to you, you can respond because, because when the Spirit of God truly touches you, I would, I would dare say that if we get, one of two things will happen. You'll get into the presence of God and see him, and one of two things will happen. One, you go crazy and nuts because you're excited about everything you're seeing, Right? The other, you're just going to be stunned to silence because you're so in awe. And I, I remember in the scriptures uh, in, uh, in the Old Testament when Solomon was dedicating the temple. I don't know if you remember this story, but after everything was set in place and the, the ministers of music were uh, ministering and you had the praise team going and, and the, the Spirit of God just moved into that place and into the temple as it was being dedicated to the Lord after Solomon had finally completed this grandiose temple in honor of, of God. And it says that the glory of the Lord began to fill the place. And that he filled the place so heavy that the ministers could no longer minister anymore. They were so, uh, the, 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 the presence of God and the power of God was so thick and so tangible that they were like just breathless at that point. They were speechless at that point. And you know what? I long for one of those days. I long for one of those days. Not just to be quiet, but just to be so in awe of the presence of God that you're just like, whoa, that was good, you know? And so, uh, so let, let's talk about that this morning. Uh, you, you've been kind of purposely set up this morning, all, all uh, this week since uh, Pastor John asked me to speak in his stead. And if you're disappointed that you don't get Pastor John, well, I'm sorry. And uh, so you'll just have to live with me. And uh, if you feel the need to leave early because he's not here, then why don't you come repent for it? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So... But uh, just uh, this word started stirring in me and some of the songs that we planned and then, of course, add to it. And so hopefully you were okay with a little extended time of worship. And uh, is everybody okay with that? Some people just don't like music. Well, yeah, we set you up this morning. If you're one of those that don't really like music and try to come after all the music and all the preparation that I've done this week and the part tracks I've done, the chord charts I've printed out. And then we do the parts on Wednesday nights and we just work real hard on the parts and just, you know, grinding and grinding in the stone. And then the band's working on all their rudiments and all their... So it's like, man, he's giving me a guilt trip. You are right. No. So you just, we got a lot of people. Why don't you thank all the people and even the sound guys back there that pour into the video guys up in the booth that pour everything in to make this experience just so you can be spoiled rotten when you come to church. So we thank you guys. But you've been purposely set up. We sang songs about the name of Jesus and then getting into the presence of God. And I want to talk about the name of Jesus this morning. I, 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 um, I have a bad habit of prefacing everything that I say, so you have to forgive me. But, but uh, there are some things that I feel like I'm probably going to say in this sermon that, that I'm going to have to, have to just preface by saying I'm, I'm going to uh, do that without apology. Is that okay? It's not that I'm going to be in your face and it's like, you sinners, repent and all that kind of stuff. And we should, be, we should repent and, and be converted, right? We should repent of our wicked ways and we should go unto the Lord. But I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about some things that, that deal with our faith and deal with where we place our faith. 
And so we're going to talk about the name of Jesus. And that is the title of my sermon is just simply the name of Jesus. And we're going to try to speed through this because I believe God wants us to encounter some things this morning. Anyway, in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Now, as we go through this message this morning, I want you to really think hard about what you say, what you speak, and what you believe. I, I was reading a little story on, online that, that somebody had, because you know, I typed in the power of the name of Jesus, and I wanted to see if there were some stories out there, some references that I could glean from or whatever. And I came across this one story, and they were talking about, I won't share the whole story, but, but uh, the, the, uh, the lady that wrote it said she likes to read the complete Jewish Bible sometimes and see how it's phrased. So I'm going to give you that, that translation. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, again, in the complete Jewish Bible, it reads like this. The name of Adonai, which Adonai means the Lord, is a strong tower. A righteous person runs to it, and get this, and is raised high above danger. The name of the Lord, the name of Adonai is a strong tower, and a righteous person runs to it and is raised high above danger. The name of the Lord, the name of Jesus, there is power in that name. Now, we amen it. We sit in, sit in our churches today and we agree with it. But I want you to really think about it, that there is power in the name of Jesus. I've often wondered, and, and I, I don't know if you've wondered this too, but I've heard so many stories about danger and, and, and people that approach danger, and then they, in, in a split second, they don't have time to pray. They don't have time to, um, to get on their knees and, and pray this incantation and, and run through their beads, but they are faced with a dangerous situation and circumstances, and they call out just the name of Jesus. And they talk about, now, now this doesn't happen every time, but they talk about how God has miraculously saved them from situations and circumstances. And I kind of wonder sometimes, if, if, if faced with a situation or circumstance, would I do that? Would I call out on God's name? Would I call out the name of Jesus in that split second? And of course, that lady, she talked about a story that, that um, in that online article that I read, that uh, a similar story. If she were faced with that situation, would she actually follow through? Preach about it, talk about it. But when you're actually there, you see, when, when, when the pressure gets on, and when you are under the press, so to speak, the pressure of life, that's when your true colors begin to shine. That was, that felt hard. You know, we could talk all kinds of spiritual stuff and all kinds of great stuff. And yeah, I'm a Christian and I go to Christ Chapel and I'm a member. I pay tithes. I'm a good Christian, a good all-American family Christian, Right? But then when the pressure gets on, that's when the true colors really come out, whether we really believe what we're saying or not. And I've often wondered when faced with danger or crisis, what I actually call on the name of Jesus. You see, God's Word tells us this in uh, Matthew chapter 21, verse 21 as well. It says, to speak to our mountain. It also says in Proverbs, 18 and, uh, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So what I say can change a situation or circumstance. What I say to a situation will either bring life to it or death to it. You've heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. How many know that's a lie? Because when somebody says something bad or nasty about you, 
what do you do? You get hurt, right? Words hurt, but words can also speak life. I want you to think about that as we move along. So do we trust in Jesus? Do we trust in the power of his name? Now, his name, his name is not to be used as a curse word, right? It's not a curse word to be used. It's not a, it's not a word that we say in vain when we hit our finger or we get mad or something like that. How many have, well, how many have heard people use that? <laughs> but his name is a name that scatters the enemy and brings life to your situation. The name of Jesus. And like I said, there's, there's, I'm reminded of stories. You're, you're probably reminded of stories too. I, somewhere, someplace, and I can't remember, but in, in my life and in, in, in ministry, I've, I've heard about the woman who was kidnapped by a man and taken to the outskirts of town and, uh, and he got out of the front seat of his car, got into the back seat, of his, uh, back seat of the car to have his way with her. And she said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And this blank look comes over his face. He gets out of the car, gets back in the driver's seat, takes her home, drops her off and disappears. And ne- she never sees him again. At the name of Jesus. You've heard about the situation, somebody driving, and all of a sudden a, a semi-truck jackknifes and comes across in their lane, and there's nothing they can do. There's a split second, and they just cry out, Jesus! And it's almost like you, could all, you, could, you almost see the angel grab the, tra- the, tra- the trailer and push it out of the way. I have a, have a personal story of my mom when we were uh, kids. She told, me, uh, she told us the story that for several nights in a row, she couldn't sleep. So she went out to the living room, got on the couch, and tried to rest there. And it was restless, and then eventually she would doze off. And she said this one night in particular, she just could not go to sleep. She was restless, so she did, did the same thing she'd done for several nights in a row, went out to the couch and laid down on the couch to go to sleep. Then she awoke. She, she actually woke herself up. And somehow she had gotten off the couch, was standing in the middle of the living room, and we had a driveway that came up probably about 100 to 130 feet to the road. And it came up to the side of the house, and the, our back door was actually out the kitchen, was in the, which was in this room. The living room was in front, and, and the back door went out the side like that that exited the kitchen. So my mom got off, off the couch. There was this little window. There was this little window on this, on this side just above the couch, so you really couldn't see out of it. And so she, found, she got up out of the couch and was standing in the middle of the living room with her hands outstretched, speaking in ch- tongues, and, comp- and proclaiming the name of Jesus. That's how she woke up. Dazed for a moment, wondering what was going on, all of a sudden she saw, the he- saw headlights and saw a pickup truck pull from the side of the house, exit our, exit our yard onto our street, turn right, and leave, and never returned. It was a pickup truck that had backed up into our driveway, so it was not one of those, oh, I, I, I think I've made a wrong turn. I'm going to turn around and go back. She does not know specifically what that situation was. But obviously, that person with that pickup truck coming up all the way to the house from the road had ill intentions for that night. And God had been preparing my mom each night. And then all of a sudden, she woke up, and she was proclaiming the name of Jesus with her outstretched hand. I wish... I could interview that guy to find out what he heard and what he saw. 
A crazy woman in the middle of the living room? Of course, it was pitch black outside. He probably couldn't see. Or some big burly angel saying, uh-uh, buddy, you better leave right now. I don't know. I don't know. But at the name of Jesus, danger turned away. And I'm wondering if we were faced with that situation and circumstance, would we be willing to put our trust in the name of Jesus and cry out to him and what would happen? With God, all things are possible, amen, as it says in Matthew 19, 26. And God has given his son, Jesus, the name which is above every name. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, according to Acts 4 and 12. Philippians 2, 10 through 11 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's power in the name of Jesus. And all things, so that means all things, that him being the Son of God, God giving him a name that is above every name, it means that all things are possible in the name of Jesus. So I'm asking you today, where do you place your faith for real? What are we saying when we say the name of Jesus? I mean, what, what are we really doing when we invoke the power of the name of Jesus? And I'm hoping that even though we say it on a daily basis, we sing it in our songs, we end with that name in our prayers, we pray in that name over our food. And see, you, depending on how long ago you gave your heart and life to Jesus, you believed in that name to save you not just to save you, and that's the end of the story, and that's the end of the picture, but to save you from where? Hell. We place faith in that name. Now, because we have not physically seen hell, a lot of times we, I think we get disassociated from the reality of what has really happened and the transaction that has taken place. Do you follow what I'm saying? Jesus saved me from hell. Do you realize what that is saying? Jesus saved me from eternal damnation. Jesus saved me from, a, from eternity separated from the one who created me. It's not just some all-American wonderful family thing that we do because we're Americans and, and Americans just go to church. Have you ever fallen into that routine? Have you ever, have you ever like just kind of gone through the steps and gone through the motions that, that this... Jesus thing is just something we do so that we can claim to be a good Christian American family. Because, yes, us as Americans, we've been spoiled rotten. Would you not believe? Would you not agree? Have you not been spoiled rotten? Well, I wasn't able to get that iPad I wanted. Do you have a house? Do you have a place to live? Do you have food to eat? Do you have a car to drive? Well, it's got trouble. Did you get here this morning? There are so many people. There, there are people that will walk down a mountain, through a valley, get on a ferry, cross over a, a, a sea, and then walk several more hours just to get to church on Sunday morning in other countries. We are so spoiled. And I think we a lot of times get lulled to sleep by the, all the things that, all the, all the commercials and all the advertisements that you see on the highway of like, you deserve this. You deserve it. You deserve that vacation. You deserve this credit card. 
you deserve this, you deserve this. And we get, we get this mentality of that we're entitled to something. Have you ever fought that temptation that I am entitled? Who made you entitled to anything? Right? It was your, your mama who gave birth to you and went through all the birth pains. And if the doctor hadn't slapped you on your, to get you to cry and breathe, you might have suffocated. If it hadn't been for your mama changing your diapers or your daddy changing your diapers or somebody bringing you food, you would not be here today, right? And then we come out of the womb thinking like, you owe me, or somebody does, rather than realizing that we are blessed to live the life that we live. We are blessed that we can get up and come here this morning and we can worship without having fear of the authorities or the government coming in, shutting us down and arresting us. We don't have to fear anybody lining us up and taking our life because we stand for Jesus. We are blessed. And even in our worst case scenario that we may be going through, our worst circumstance or worst situation, we are still blessed above everybody because we have the hope of the gospel, which means whether, in this, whether I live blessed in this life and, and live without pain in this life or whether if I have pain in this life, once I close my eyes in this life, I have the hope of heaven that Jesus has promised me, the home that he's prepared for me in glory. So either way, baby, I'm going to be okay because... Of Jesus. There's power in that name. And I hope that I instill in you a a kind of a sense of the power and the virtue and the glory of that name. As I said earlier, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm somewhat fairly subdued most of the time. And, and, uh, you know, I I, I had a guy one time, um, he was telling me about some of the things he did and and, uh, talking about some of his accomplishments. And I was just listening. And I was like, he's like, so what do you think about this? I said, well, that's pretty good. He's like, and I didn't realize that I should have been a little bit more excited about what he was doing, something, whatever he created, rather than just saying, oh, that's pretty good. And I really wasn't meaning anything about, about it, but I was just kinda, I'm kind of more of a laid-back person. Except when I get up to worship now. When I start singing about Jesus, I, I can't help but get up, dance a little bit, go crazy. Hopefully everybody's okay with that, but it just, it gets in me. I start talking about Jesus and I start singing about his word and, and, uh, and then uh, Andy on the drums just kicks it hard and I'm like, oh yeah, let's go, right? And get excited and, and hopefully you're okay with that because I'm okay with that. If you get a little excited, I'm okay with that. So I, I'm generally not I don't feel like I'm very animated a lot of times until I start talking about Jesus and then there's something, and it's not that I'm trying to play super spiritual. Please don't think that. But when you start calculating all the things that God has done for you and that you do have life eternal in Jesus, then I think it ought to make us the happiest people on the planet, right? Excited about what he's planned for our lives because, as you know, in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, way overused and, uh, well, I, I, well, I, I take that back. It's not overused, but it's a scripture in the Bible that talks about that he knows the plans that he has for us, the thoughts that he thinks towards us, thoughts to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. That's what God thinks of you and wants for you. So as we think about the name of Jesus, and as we start thinking about that he's the bread of life, He's my redeemer. He restores. 
He saves. He delivers. And he heals. He fills me with his Holy Spirit. He gives me faith to speak to that mountain and say move and to see things and situations and circumstances in our life begin to move out of the way. Or he gives me the power to conquer the mountain. You see, a lot of times we want to speak to the mountain and see it moved, right? And God's Word does say that if you speak to that mountain, it will move. But sometimes it moves, lifts up, levitates over your head, and drops down on you. It moved. So what do you do in that situation and circumstance? You trust the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, everything is going to bow. So what are we truly saying when we say the name of Jesus? Like I said, we're saying that he's the bread of life. He's Lord of all. He's the Holy One. He's the Redeemer. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's our soon-coming King. He's our peace. He's the Word of God. He's the Deliverer. He's, he's my, the Mighty One. He's God with us, Emmanuel. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Everlasting Father. He's Wonderful, Counselor. Now, you've probably had those people say, well, that Christianity is just a crutch for you. Anybody ever said that or you've heard that said? That's just a crutch. That's fine. You're right. Jesus is my crutch. He's the Savior that I lean on. He's the Redeemer that I lean on. He's the hope of glory that I lean on. He's the strength that I lean on. He's the rock that I lean on. He's the Holy Spirit that I lean on. He's the healer that I lean on. So, yes, you are certainly right. I have a crutch. What's your crutch? Well, I just believe in me. I just believe in my ability to, you know, I don't need God. I don't need these, uh, the, someone to help me out. I, I can just do it on my own. Well, what are you going to do when you're laying in the hospital bed and your body is ate up with some sort of disease and you can barely even communicate? What are you going to lean on then? You can't just get out of the bed in your own strength because that has defeated your body. What are you going to do if you're in a car accident and the next thing you wake up and you can't talk, you can't communicate, you're on a ventilator, and somebody else is making the decision to whether let you live or let you die? Now, I do not know if somebody on the other side can hear all that communication, but what if you found yourself in that situation and you can't respond and say, hey, I'm in here, let me live? What are you going to do in that situation when you, when you, when you lose the job and, and there's no more income and your bank account is depleting and you got no way to feed your family, you got no way to take care of things, you got no way to make the car payment anymore, you got no way to do this or that, you're going to have to move out, get a smaller place. What are you going to do in those situations that you cannot control? What is your crutch at that point? Because at that point, it's not going to be good enough to say, well, I'll just, I'll just do it myself. So yes, Jesus is my crutch. He is the one that I lean on. You know what I'm going to say in that situation? That I need Jesus. I start proclaiming the name of Jesus because he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is El Shaddai, the God of all gods. He is my morning star. He is my day star. He is, he is my soon coming king. He is um, 
Elayon. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sitkanu. He is Jehovah God, the deliverer. He is the shepherd. He is going to lead and guide, and he's going to do everything he can to make sure that I, in the end, will be okay. So when you say Jesus, and hopefully they got that slide ready, that last slide. When you say the name of Jesus, this is what you're saying. Ding. <laughs> names of, the names of God, the last one that we had there, the blue one. <laughs> I want them to see it because when you say the name of Jesus, this is what you're saying. You're saying all of these things. You're saying that he's the bread of life, that he's my provider, that he's the Lord of lords, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And when you speak Jesus into that situation, all of these things are being spoken into your circumstance. All of these, all of, all of these, these names of God and all of these things that God is and God represents is being spoken into your circumstance. So when you say Jesus, you're saying a mouthful and you're speaking life to your situation. You're speaking life to your circumstance. You're speaking healing to your circumstance. And do we believe that if we shout the name of Jesus that there's going to be things that will happen in this life? Amen. So I will cry and I will shout out the name of Jesus. Now I know that there are situations and circumstances because every time I come across someone who is, who is sick, who has a disease that is fighting their body, and I, without apology, will pray for that person's supernatural healing. And I believe that's what we should do. But how many know there are times when what we think should happen and what we want does not happen? Right? And so the end, as things approach the end, it seems sometimes that there is defeat. And sometimes it's in those situations that your, your faith gets sucked out of you. The life of that gets sucked out of you because, well, I believed and I prayed. And, it, it, and let, me, let me just let you understand, it's not a question of your faith at that point. Because what is God trying to do in that situation and circumstance? And sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we won't know the answer to that question until we get over there. So really, sometimes it goes back to the situation of, and, and, and to the realization of what do I stand for? Do I believe or do I don't? Do I believe that somehow in the end, you see, you see, like I said, that whether in this life I see the miracle or whether in the next life I see the miracle, I know I'm going to be okay no matter what because Jesus takes care of me. And even in the Psalmist David, he said, though I walk through the shadow of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because what? He's with me. So even if God does not remove you from that situation and circumstance and place you on the other side of it and miraculously taking all the hurt and the pain away, if nothing else, he was going to walk with you. He's going to be there with you through the thick and thin. In fact, in fact, he said, I will always be with you even until the end, of the end of the age. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be with you. And so sometimes he wants to walk through it with you. And so... There was a video on Facebook that I saw this week that I thought really highlights this question, and, and we're going to come to a close in just a moment. 
But there's, there, there, how many have ever, well, I don't have to ask you this because everybody's heard when somebody says, I don't believe God exists. And then, they, and then they say, well, God doesn't exist because of, and they start naming, the first thing they go to is all the hurt and the pain in the world, right? God doesn't exist because of all the hurt and the pain, all the children that are hurting and all the children that are starving, all of the people that are, that are dying of this disease and that disease, the violence and the violent crimes that go out. Why, if there was a God, he would stop all that and he would, he would keep that from happening. You've heard the story, right? And if I were God... I think I would probably follow that line of thinking. And so, basically the video, and you may have seen this on Facebook because stuff gets around really quick nowadays. So you've probably already seen it. So anyway, this, this Christian guy, he's got his Bible, he walks into a barber shop and he sits down to get his hair cut and the, him and the barber start doing small talk. Hey, how you doing? How's work? How's family? Hey, everything's good. And, uh, and, and, the, uh, and, and the guy getting his hair cut says, uh, you know, everything's great, thank God. And so the barber's like, okay. So he goes to cutting his hair over the next few minutes, and he's watching the guy just thumb through his Bible, read his Bible as he's getting his hair cut. The barber's just kind of looking at him and all that kind of stuff. And you see him just stopping and pausing kind of shaking his head, and, you know, he finishes up. Well, he finishes up cutting the guy's hair, cleans him off, and is like, hey, man, you ready to go? He's like, yeah, thank you, I appreciate that. And uh, he's like, well, he said, you know something? I was like, what? He's like, I don't believe God exists. That's what the barber said. And so the, the guy turns around and is like, what? He's like, yeah, I don't believe God exists. Because if, if there was a God, and he went through all of those lists, if there was a God... None of this hurt and the pain in the world and all that kind of stuff. And so you see the Christian guy, he's got his Bible and everything. He goes, I'll see you later. Until next time, have a good day, man. So he started to respond and then he stopped. So he walked out. He walks out of the barber shop and just kind of like catches his breath a little bit. And he looks over and there's this guy with his iPod or iPhone or whatever listening to music and got the longest, scraggly, nasty-looking hair that you've ever seen in your life. Just long, it looked like it hadn't been brushed in three months. So anyway, so the next thing you know, it's a shot of the barber, and he hears somebody come through the door and looks back, and here's that Christian guy, and he's got this scraggly-haired guy walking with him. And so the Christian guy says, I don't believe barbers exist. So what? Of course barbers exist. He's like, no, I don't believe barbers exist because if barbers exist, there wouldn't be this guy here and people all over the world with scraggly hair like this. He wouldn't have long hair. He'd be cut real nice and everything like that. And the, and the barber's like, listen, barbers exist. The only problem is, is that people don't come to me to have them get their hair cut. And the guy said, my point exactly. He said, God does exist. He said, the problem is with all the misery and all that kind of stuff in the world, there's miserable people in this world because they refuse to go to God. Now, in that, I'm not saying that your situation is going to alter the way you think or alter the circumstance to become like you want it because sometimes we don't know what's best. I like what Pastor John said, I believe it was last week's sermon where he was talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were facing the fiery furnace, and what did they say? Our God is able and will deliver us, but if he doesn't, 
I'm still going to stand on the solid rock. I'm still going to stake my claim. I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to trust him no matter what. And if I burn in this furnace, so be it. And that's, that's where we've got to go. And I would think if more people in this world would decide to do that, you'd probably see, be seeing a whole lot more miracles in life. And I want to ask you this question. If you've, if you've added that up, you know, if, there, if a God existed, all these things wouldn't happen. All these things wouldn't be taking place. Maybe God is wanting you to be the miracle, and he's been waiting on you to move because it's so easy to criticize and say what everybody else should do. And if God were this, he would take all this away. All this away, maybe he's wanting you to be the healer. Maybe he's wanting you to embody the love of God and go and be the provider of someone. Maybe he's wanting you you to go buy that bag of groceries. Maybe he's wanting you to go sit at the hospital when somebody's vomiting and sick and all that kind of stuff and be there to help them clean up and help them put that cool rag on their face and say, it's going to be okay, baby. I'm going to take care of you. Jesus loves you, and I'm going to love you today. But we're too spoiled to get our hands dirty. Ouch. Did I hurt your feelings? (laughs) Hopefully I didn't. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, we're going to read this, and worship team, if you could go ahead and get ready. And we're we're going to seek the face of God this morning. I'm talking about that that video that that, that people, that there is a God and people don't go to him. Here's what happens. Psalm chapter 91 and other scriptures are up there. Hopefully the slides worked out. If they didn't, I apologize. You have to just listen to me. But I like the way it reads in the Amplified Version. And it says this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. I want you to listen closely. Don't lose me here. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty whose power no enemy can withstand. Did you get that? No power can withstand the power of God. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust with great confidence and on him and on whom I rely. For he will save you from the trap of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you and completely protect you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a wall. You will not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction, sudden death, that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand may fall at your right hand, but danger will not come near you. You will only be a spectator as you... Think about that. The storm is all around you. There's blasphemy all around you. There's people that are that are ridiculing you or you may be going through persecution or, or, or you just may be going through a storm. And, and, and what this is saying is that you will only be a spectator. Only a spectator as you look on with your eyes and witness the divine repayment of the wicked as you watch safely from the shelter of the Most High. So that's where Peter was when he got out of the boat, right? He got out of the boat. He said, he said Jesus, if it's you, Bid me come out on the water so I can walk too. Because he saw Jesus walking on the water. And Jesus, what did he say? Come on. So Peter got out of the boat. And he was walking on water. And he didn't realize that even though the storm was going around him, he was just a spectator. 
He started thinking he was going to sink in the storm, and we know that Peter started to sink, and he cried out to the Lord. At least he did the right thing. He said, Jesus, help me. But only a spectator you will be as you are safely watching from the shelter of the Most High. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, because you made the Lord your dwelling place, place, no evil will befall you, nor any plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels in regard to you to protect and defend and guard you in all of your ways of obedience and service. They will lift you up in their hands so that you, will, so that you do not even strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Now, this is God talking here. He says, because he, my child, set his love on me, therefore I will save him. I will set him securely on high because he knows my name. He confidently trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never abandon him. No, never. He will call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and I will let him see my salvation. That is the person who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Yes, it was okay to get excited about that. With long life, I will satisfy him and I will let him see my salvation. Salvation. The question is, do you trust him? The question is, are you willing to run to him? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I want to be in his shadow. I want to be in his presence because I need Jesus. I need a crutch in my life. I need someone to lean on. And the only one that is faithful, that is true, that is perfect, and that without fail will not fail you is Jesus Christ, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the bread of life, the redeemer, the restorer, the, the, the soon coming king who is coming back to get his bride. That is the one I lean on. That is my crutch. And I'm proud of it. Well, that almost sounded bad, but you get what I'm saying, right? I'm not proud but I'm proud of the fact that I have a Savior to brag on. He's going to be with me. And even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because He is with me. And surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Will you stand with me this morning? So this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to worship a little bit more with, with Holy Spirit. These altars are open. If you need Jesus, I, you need to come to him. You need to run to him. If you don't have that crutch in your life, we'll hand out crutches this morning. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking. So that you may walk with confidence knowing that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So as we sing this song, the altars are open. If you need to renew that commitment, if you need to go from just being a good all-American Christian person and having that that American viewpoint of, not that America's bad, please don't get me, but that spoiled, I'm just doing this thing to check off my list that I'm a good Christian and I, I did my duty, I, I, I paid my tithes this morning and I, I sang the pretty little song and, 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 and I said the prayer and I even amen when Bid said a, a thing that sounded good. But now I'm really going to trust in the name of Jesus and I want you to come to these altars and begin to worship, begin to cry out to the Lord. 
and just let him fill you. When you say Jesus, you say a mouthful. And as we worship, guys up there, I don't know if, can you put that, that slide on that I, it says, I am Jesus in the middle, and it says all the things that Jesus is. Hopefully, hopefully you got that up there. If not, okay. But Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. There's nothing worth more, nothing worth more. Sing it. Let's worship the Lord. There's nothing. A little faster. A little faster. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No sin can compare your living hope. It's in your presence. Your presence in His presence, all fear is gone, and it's where you belong this morning. Let Him fill you this morning. Let Him heal you. Yes. Oh, the sweetest of love. When my heart becomes free and my shame is heard. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, say. Come and flood this place, Lord Jesus. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long Overcome. To be overcome by your presence. Holy Spirit, say again, say Some have, um, there's a young man right here that uh, doesn't, if, uh, if one of our prayer team could, uh, one of the men in our prayer team could just come and pray with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just, why don't you say the name of Jesus? Come on, say Jesus. Come on, Jesus. 
Come on, say that name, Jesus. Come on, close your eyes and say the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, speak that name of Jesus with me. Jesus. 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 I don't know if you able to, were able to read everything that was on that screen, but that's, I mean, when you say the name of Jesus, you're saying all those things. You're speaking over your life, speaking over your children. Men, the priest of your home, speaking over your family and over your home, over your spouse, over your children. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you're saying Jesus, you're speaking life to your family. When you say Jesus, you're speaking life to your finances. When you say Jesus, you're speaking life to your body, and to your home, and to your job. Do you believe? Do you believe? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for the name of Jesus. The name that brings life. The name that brings restoration. And God, we just thank you for your presence today. I pray, God, that We don't just go through the routine and the motions for a status reason, but that we truly put our faith and trust in you, knowing that every situation and every circumstance, that you are the life that lives, that that floods through our veins. You are the very air that we breathe, and we are desperate for you, God. We thank you and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Come on, if God has ministered to you, don't hesitate to give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. 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 As you go home today, make sure you love on somebody. Make sure you speak life into them. Hug your kids. Hug your spouse. And if you don't have that, hug yourself. (laughs) No, just speak life. Because Jesus wants to give you life. And that's the reason he came. Amen. So one more time, why don't you shout the name of Jesus. Come on, shout it loud, Jesus. Come on, one more time, Jesus. You're dismissed.